Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona State University. Yes, Arizona State University's new head football coach, Kenny Dillingham, our next guest here on Newsmakers Week on this uh, Wednesday, and he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coach Dillingham, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Um, I looked it up. 88 days on the job, so not quite that 90-day mark. You have been a busy man. Uh, how would you sum up your first 88 days on, on the job? And I know you said in your introductory press conference uh, several occasions, activate the Valley. I think uh, you're, you're well on the way to doing that. Yeah, I mean, I would sum it up as relationships. I mean, if there's one thing that I'm trying to do that this staff's trying to do. It's build relationships. It's build relationships with our current players, build relationships with prospects, build relationships with the other side of the building, with the other sports on campus, with the Valley again. Uh, it's really just relationships. If I had to sum it up, it's uh, relationships and sleep. Not much sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask yeah. you that, too. In 88 days, what, about 88 hours of sleep during that time? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we. I've got a newborn at home or an 11-month-year-old at home, so... Uh, my wife's a champion, so she she helps take care of that part of it. So I can sleep when I'm home. One of the uh, one of your recruiting pitches that I that I thought was fascinating that I would like you to kind of reiterate, if you don't mind, for our listeners is when you were talking about um, how a lot of kids go on campus visits and they never leave the campuses. And you've um, uh, astutely pointed out why not? Don't you want to see where you're going to be living? Elaborate on on that philosophy you have and how that's sort of translating. Well, I think any time that you are being recruited, you got to remember you're being sold something, right, by professionals. And you're being sold. So it's not about what somebody shows you. It's about what they don't show you. That's the key to a visit is when you leave a visit or when you're on campus and you hit the last day of your visit, you should be thinking about, oh, crap, what have they not showed me? Because those are the flaws, those are what they're hiding. And if a school doesn't show you their locker room, there's a reason. If a school doesn't show you their academics, there's a reason. If a school makes an excuse for why you're not walking around the town, there's a reason. And I think the great advantage we have is this is a growing city that is one of the best places to live in the country. And if you want to go somewhere and you're in the building 20 hours a week in season, eight hours a week out of the season. You can argue kids come up voluntarily and all those things, but at the end of the day, wherever you go to school, you've got to still live in the real world. Mm. Like, you're still a human living in the city. <laughs> right. And if you don't wake up, walk around the city, go to restaurants in the city, and be a person when you're on these visits, then you're going to show up someplace and you're going to be stuck in the facility and at home, in the facility and at home, and you're not going to live in a place that you want to live. Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State head football coach, our guest here on Newsmakers Week on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Obviously, uh, a big recruit uh, you know, lands in Tempe, Jaden Rashada, and a lot was made of his recruitment, as we all know, and it was a long and complicated process. And you know, pretty much everything I read, Coach, was about you know from Jaden and his family side of things. From your side of things, can you tell us a little bit more in detail, like how Jaden ended up in Tempe as part of your class? Uh, yeah, I would say honesty and relationships. I mean, I've had a relationship with Jaden for two, you know, going on three years, uh, and. 
You know, there was a time where I said, you know what, this isn't going to work, Jaden, and we went our separate ways at a different school, but it was a respectful way. Uh-huh. And it wasn't anything negative. It was just the way college football was trending. And throughout that entire time, one thing I'm big on is, you know, just because we're not, we're not going to get every player, but I really believe college coaches' jobs are to help kids. I know that's kind of lost in this billion-dollar industry that people think that matters. I still think that matters. I still think that's my number one job is to help kids be successful. Uh, So I keep relationships with kids that I don't even think I'm going to coach through the recruiting process and just kind of help them, you know, when they have questions. I'm an innocent bystander now, and I kind of was that to Jaden a little bit. I just kind of helped him and answered questions along the way. And it just happened to be that a situation arose and uh, I was somebody he could trust at a place that he wanted to be. And sometimes things happen for a reason. Yeah. And you mentioned a place where he wanted to be because his dad Harlan played here in the nineties and coaches always talk about it. And I know you've talked about it, improving the relationships with the local high school coaches to, you know, kind of build a wall around the Valley to keep some of this talent, uh, you know, in, in Tempe and playing for ASU. But how big is it for, for legacy players like Jaden to come back to their alma mater? We've seen over the years, you know, a lot of sons of former Sun Devils go elsewhere. How important is that on, on your checklist? of things to do oh it's huge i mean my my whole goal here is i say the valley because the valley is where we live Mm -hmm. and i was born and raised here i was born and raised a fan so i have a little bit of passion behind it but my goal is to bring people into this building who want to be sun devils like not we're recruited to be sun devils not we're told that we're going to score this amount of points and be a pro-style offense that plays fast and our defense is going to play up the field and play aggressively and attack. I don't want you to come here because of that. I want you to wake up and say, man, I've always watched ASU football. And whether you're a legacy, whether you're from here, I want people who walk into this building and are passionate about this place, just like I'm passionate about this place. Whether you're from here, whether you're from Texas, whether you're from California, whether you're an alumni uh, son or daughter, and you're passionate about this place, that's what I'm trying to build this on. I would hope that happens in the Valley, and I hope there's kids in the Valley that say, man, I did grow up coming to games. I want to be a part of the change. I want to be a part of something special. But I'm not going to force a kid that's even from here, if he's not passionate about this place, Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people passionate about ASU football. Love that. All right, and I also know that you're looking for fans to feel the same way about your program. One of the beauties of your hire is you don't need any institutional training. You know what the Valley's about. You know what the school and the program's about. You also know we've evolved into a major professional sports town. It's hard for a college team to get its due out here. How are you going to pull this off? How are you going to get people energized, engaged to the point where they're blowing off whatever else they had planned on a Saturday to come watch your team play football? Well, I think the key is, goes back to relationships. The difference, this is where people get lost. People get lost because college football is a big business, right? You forget, college football is about relationships. If I have a son or daughter, right, I am looking for somebody to be my, somebody my son or daughter looks up to. Point blank. If I am a person, if I am a father, if I am a mother in the Valley, right, it is so much easier to say, hey, Jessica, who plays softball and you're seven years old, to go build a relationship and go watch ASU softball 
And Jessica can grow up looking at number 13 on the field and say, man, I want to be like her. She's from the, she's from Mesa. I'm from Mesa. She plays softball. I play softball. And I want the same thing with football. I want the young kids in the Valley. I want the youth of the Valley. I want the parents to bring kids out. I want to showcase our players as people. That way, our, the young people in the Valley can look up to somebody who maybe has a similar path to them. And that's where college is unique, is those relationships. I want to get our players out in the community so they're maybe at a local middle school or high school or at a, a local hospital, and somebody can see our player and be like, man, that's somebody I want my son to grow up to be like. And then go bring him to a game, your son to a game, so you can say, look, that's him. He's playing. Mm-hmm. Your six-year-old son has somebody to look up to as a mentor, somebody who's been born and raised here, somebody that may have moved from California here just like you did, and you can kind of grow. And that's really what makes college football different is the relationships and the connection to the mm-hmm. community, and that's what my goal is. Kenny Dillingham, ASU head football coach, our guest here on Newsmakers Week on Bickley and Murata mornings. Uh, you know, with spring ball right around the corner, and and you know, newcomers to the quarterback room, and a, and a holdover in Trenton Borgay, and you you throw Jaden Rashada into the mix, and you throw Drew Pine into the mix, and others. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish during spring ball at the quarterback position? Uh, is it to get a pecking order? Are you a coach that would like to you know, identify a starter that early? Uh, tell us more on that. No. Uh, we'll identify a starter when everybody knows there's a starter. And what I mean by that is a starter should not necessarily – a starter needs to be eventually named, but a starter should name himself. If it is not clear who the guy is, then there is no starter. And I firmly believe, a, a, you know, just like leaders, leader, leaders emerge, right? Same thing with starting quarterbacks. Starting quarterbacks, it's clear who the guy should be to the football team, uh, in my opinion. And if it's not clear, then the decision is going to go down to the wire all the way up to, you know, game week or wherever that plays out. My goal, and my, the goal I've always had for anybody I've coached is nobody's goal should be to come in here and be the best player right now. The goal should be, what can I do that when I leave here, I'm the best player and I'm the best person I can be? That, I mean, Mac Jones at Alabama is a perfect example of a guy who he grew through not being the starting quarterback, and when he got his opportunity, he capitalized. The goal is not to be thrown into the fire and beat up forced into a situation that you're not ready for. The goal is to work with your teammates to be the very best you can be to compete, to raise the standard, burst each other in a healthy manner, keep competing, keep raising the bar, and then the best man wins, the next man's up the next year, the next man's up next. Right? But what did we do? Everybody got better. Everybody left here a better player, and everybody's going to be more successful in life and down the road because of the competition. Well, Coach, thanks so much for uh, uh, great joining stuff, us. Great stuff, man. You got me fired up, Kenny. <laughs> you tend to Let's do, do that to us. Yeah. Do it, man. <laughs> hey, Come hey, on. Hey, hey. I, I believe in your profession. We call this a plug. Yes. Uh, I need people at the spring game. It's after Pat's run. We're trying to get 40,000 people at this spring game. We're trying to make it fun. We're going to make it exciting. It needs to be the place to be, and the way to make it the place to be is to get the Valley here and we will make it fun. Yes. Nice job. That's April 15th after Pat's run. Uh, Coach Dillingham looking for forty grand, 32,000 fans and 8,000 students. Let's do it. to make this happen. Kenny, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. 
Thank you. Appreciate you. Kenny Dillingham, head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils here on Newsmakers Week. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Lots of talk about quarterbacks with ASU. Lots of talk about quarterbacks in the NFL, including one team that might be sick of theirs. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Wednesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Okay, I'm going to be here four days. Um, I'm going to eat once a day. I'm going to rest and try and find the deepest amount of rest and relaxation. And when I do, then I'm trusting that the right uh, messages and intuition will come through. It's just wrapping your head around uh, the silence and then dealing with uh, your thoughts and, and everything that comes with the isolation. That's Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers on the Pat McAfee Show. Uh, the most talked about darkness retreat in the history of darkness retreats. Oh, okay. I guess it went yeah. happening this week. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to upset Aaron Rodgers about speculating on anything. Yeah. And they're still listen, talking about Somebody it. pointed out to me, I, and, and I've stopped watching this show because it's jumped the shark, but Yellowstone or, yeah, Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, an episode where one of the characters kind of does that where he spends a couple of nights in nature all day, all night, like confined to a certain place for spiritual epiphanies and growth and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I wonder if he just got the idea from there. Uh, again, <laughs> the, the fact that the Packers, that, that reports are out from Bob McGinn. Longtime was, Packers oh, writer. Listen, I, I go back with this guy. This guy was covering the Packers probably when I was in diapers. Bob McGinn knows everything about the Packers. And he is saying the Packers have had it. With They're yeah. disgusted with him. Uh, his Disgusted quote, with him. His quote in a podcast with uh, Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com. Uh, quote, they are done with Rodgers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him, and they're done with him, and they're moving on. McGinn says he's convinced that he won't be a starter. And a lot of it goes back to what maybe the Packers believe behind closed doors, and maybe it's not behind closed doors anymore, that Aaron Rodgers last year kind of just floated through the offseason, that he wasn't as committed to uh-huh. uh, honing his craft. <laughs> and I think we saw some of the results of that, and maybe Aaron Rodgers just thought, well, all right, we know this drill. Uh-huh. These guys aren't going to give me help. Devontae Adams goes, we, don't, you know, we drafted some rookies. I'll just come in here and save the day. And at some point, you try to flip that light switch, and the light doesn't go on anymore. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers is at that age. doesn't shock me that if the Packers feel that way. Well, and and it's it's one thing to be critical and to be snarky and to be condescending to your teammates if you put in the requisite work. But mm-hmm. if you're the one um, making shortcuts, that's a that's pretty bad. And that I think, and that's a real heavy word. And Bob McGinn doesn't use those things lightly. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully buying what Bob McGinn is saying about Aaron Rodgers yeah. that the Packers are just flat out done with him. And I wonder what it was that got them to this point. He wasn't as good last year. That's probably what it was. That's it. you probably nailed it. Yeah, Jared. you put up with a lot of shenanigans yeah, when you're, right. you're winning MVPs every year. Mm-hmm. When when you're not, and you you know you you can't get to the playoffs, it's it's a lot easier to <laughs> buy into you know, these mm-hmm. things. Are kind of rubbing me the wrong way. Um, so interesting stuff there. Also, Eric Bieniemy over the weekend. Did leave Kansas City. He took the offensive coordinator job with the Washington Commanders, which means. It's his offense. He gets play calling duties. And there was a lot of mixed reaction. I had said leading up to that, Bick, that, you know, 
if Eric Bieniemy wanted to branch out, wanted to be a head coach, and a lot of people thought about this, he had to get underneath from underneath the Andy Reid umbrella. Yeah, and that's a big umbrella. Am I right, Jared? <laughs> you ever see that guy, Jared? That's a big umbrella, well, man. So he did it, and it, it's it's. There's been a lot of reaction. One of his former players, running back Lashawn McCoy, who played with the Chiefs at the end of his career, was on that 2019 Super Bowl team. He went on Speak for Yourself on on FS uh, uh, on Fox Sports. And he said this. What's his value? What makes him a good offensive coordinator? See, the problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, oh, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. They're not in the locker room. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching. And he has nothing to do with the pass game at all. Right? When the plays are are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about offensive coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a very, very good coordinator. I can tell you what Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. But when I ask about um, Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch the film of practices and we correct the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. Mm. He may say things to the running back because he's an ex-running back coach. I get that. But he has no real responsibility. And it seems like if you have that viewpoint, you're you're – you're wrong. It's wrong to to have that viewpoint. I think it's a valid question. No. Now, there's a lot of people that question McCoy's experience with the Chiefs. It wasn't exactly his his glory years as a player, and a lot of former Chiefs reacted to him on Twitter. A lot of players, uh, Tyron uh, Matthew was one of them who was very upset with with, the, with what Shady McCoy said. Jamal Chor- Charles, the Chiefs' all time leading rusher, said, "I have to disagree with you, Shady. The enemy coached me for four years. I learned so many things from Eb." And I still keep in contact with him. Great husband, great father, deserves to be a head coach. That, again, is coming from the running back position yeah. where he was the running back's coach. And you heard McCoy say, from his viewpoint, he had nothing to do with the passing game. I think this is going well, to be a fascinating let me, experiment. Let me, let, me, let me jump in and say this. Okay, so Andy Reid, in a recent interview, went out of his way to say that everything about his coaching staff is pure democracy, that every one of his assistant coach, and I think, I think the number is like 27 of them, every one of his assistant assistant coach, everybody um, who is not a player who works for the Chiefs claims to have a say um, in what's going on. But how does that jibe with the fact that you've got a guy who is probably the all-time best at offensive play design? I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone better. Simmer Dirk Cutter. Come on, I'm waiting for the laugh. There you go. I've never, I, I've never seen anyone better than Andy Reid at play design. You're a deadpan delivery Thank there, Barry. So, so, so with that in mind... Of course he's going to call his own plays. Of course it's going to be different in Kansas City when the head coach has got this skill that is so unique. And yet it, part of it seems so wrong to me that a guy like Eric Bieniemy can be part of a, such, a, such a successful program and yet people don't want any part of that. When other people look for that osmosis factor in others, here's the other thing. Andy Reid has never really gone out on a limb and, man, that'd have to be a pretty big tree. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't help. That's good, dude. You're on fire this segment. On fire, man. This is the big kebab. All right. So, so Andy Reid has never gone out on that limb and gone, whoa, down below. He's never gone out and said, my guy, this is a travesty. Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach. I've never been with a better coordinator. This league is a joke. Who is going to step up and give this man a chance? I've never heard those words from Andy Reid or no. anything close to it when no. it comes to Eric Bieniemy, And it's kind of like, yeah, why don't you interview him and 
No, he's got his opportunity now he to has. prove that he's worthy. If he has success in but, Washington as an offensive coordinator, he's going to get more opportunity in interviews and, well, and maybe an opportunity to, to land that head coaching I, job that everybody seems to think he deserves. Here's the other thing. people have I've heard other people have said, people have speculated he's not the best interviewer. And I've heard people go, well, so what? Should you hold that against him? Yes! Interviewing well is part of getting a job. Yeah, I mean, it's not just because it's a coaching position. Doesn't mean you walk in, you roll in like, you know, Jared without a pen. There's a reason why job interviews exist. <laughs> I've got like seven jokes in the last three minutes, man. You Pace, yourself, Jared, guy? <laughs> Pace yourself, Pace <laughs> yourself. The 35th annual Arizona Renaissance Festival is underway. The Renaissance Festival lasts each weekend until April 3rd. We're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Just visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. Coming up next, the big stories of the day in reboot style. Sarah Cazell will take us through them next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Hello to you, my friends. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, Back at our usual time. No pesky football coaches kicking me out of my segment. Just kidding. Great to have everybody here for Newsmakers Week. How great uh, was Kenny Dillingham, though? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. That's a wild cat. Every time we have people from ASU on, it just disgusts me as a, a U of A fan how likable these guys are and how charismatic they are. And uh-huh. he didn't give one one-word answer. Nope. Oh! I'm so, did you ask well, him any ask hard any questions, questions? I'm yeah. so fired up. With those softballs. I did a, <laughs> I did a, I did a whole push-up during this. He did literally talk about <laughs> He did. He did. All right. Let's start with a different football coach, a different football team, the Arizona Cardinals. The introductions continue for the Cardinals staff today. I guess I'll do my intros quickly. Sarah Cazell, Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Jarek Carlin. Uh, hey, 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 hi, 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 hi. I had something poignant and topical to go Did you? Yeah. Okay, drop it. That's, that's anticlimactic now. All right, fine. There's something for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I mean, that's timeless. <laughs> we'll get it. to that tomorrow, yeah. yeah. All right, defensive. <laughs> <Did you> really? <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> Thank you so much. Defensive coordinator Nick Rollis is going to be introduced today. Uh, offensive coordinator Drew Petzing will get his turn with the media tomorrow. Yesterday on Wolf and Luke, the guys had on Dave Spadaro, who covers the Eagles for the Eagles. Uh, he's like the Darren Urban of the Eagles. He said Rollis is a rising star in the NFL. Again, 29 years old, the youngest coordinator in the league. Nick related well to his players at a young age. Uh, very much emphasized the fundamentals and had them all on the same page mentally and intellectually. So uh, I really, you know, Nick is going to be a head coach someday. He's a rising star. You're right. Spadaro also shared what Cardinals fans can expect from a Rollis defense. He and Jonathan are joined at the hip. They will communicate the defense very well to the players. Uh, they will be coordinated. Uh, that is part of the game. You will not see the Cardinals giving up uh, big plays. You will not see the defense giving up plays over the top. Um, what they need to do is improve their pass rush. They need to stop the run. Uh, there are pieces of place in Arizona. And I think that Cardinals fans should feel really good about the combination of Jonathan and Nick together. 
All right, guys, what is your biggest question for Nick Rollis and how he is going to manage the Cardinals defense that has a lot of questions, a lot of question marks? It's such a gray area and so abstract right now because mm. we just don't know what the personnel is going uh, to look like. I would like. say this. I would say that the, the criticism of the Eagles defense under Jonathan Gannon was you never blitzed. You you didn't manufacture mm-hmm. a pass rush, and it all came after getting ahead in games. Without a given J.J. Watt's retirement, how are you going to uh, rush the passer? Yes. Question two, what is the plan for Isaiah Simmons? Question three, do you run a 4-3 or a 3-4? I, now we're getting into the weeds with the football stuff. <laughs> but, but, you know, to your point on the pass rush, <clears throat> I, I don't think there's a defensive court. Well, there's a few. If you can generate a devastating pass rush with your front three or four, bringing four guys without blitzing, sending extra uh, extra pass rushers, I think everybody would prefer to do that. You know, the coaches and, and, and Vance Joseph, yeah. even during his tenure, we... You know, he was able to dial it up and create some some blitz schemes that made it difficult. That generated a pass rush, but that was out of necessity. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if the Cardinals are going to have the horses to just rely on. Hey, four guys get after the quarterback and and make life hell for him. I think they're going to have to mix in some blitzes early on, just to you know, based on what we think that the personnel could look like mm-hmm. or what they don't have. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. This came down in the last hour or so. Bruce Feldman of the Athletic is reporting today, and I think ESPN reported it as well, that Florida defensive coordinator Patrick Tony is leaving the University of Florida to join the Cardinals staff. Uh, we don't have a specific uh, position listed, but defensive guy. He's 32 years old. So another young guy coming the to the Cardinals. Veteran. This is unbelievable. <laughs> yes, and Feldman says Tony is regarded by many coaches in football as one of the game's sharpest young defensive minds. Youth is great. Are you guys at all concerned by just how young the staff is shaping up to be so far? Yeah, I mean, yes, because it's so uncommon. Um, yeah. They've got every opportunity to prove people like me wrong, but you know, this is not a route that other franchises go down to, to this degree. I mean, their average age right now in their coaches is, is far below the average of most other coaching staff. So we'll see. Yeah, um, they're leaning into it, man. Yeah, they this are. whole idea of, of getting such youthful energy that your coaches are running into the building. I mean, some of these coaches are, are the same ages as the players. Which must be strange. Some are younger. I know. It must be a little strange. Of course it's strange. Uh, Yes. And again, the danger here is that uh, the rest of the NFL is going to go, oh, look, isn't that cute? The Arizona Cardinals once again are telling us how to play football. Mm. (laughs) All right. Let's get to the Diamondbacks. Shall we? Derek Hall, the president and CEO of the team. He was one of our, I believe, five guests on the show yesterday for Newsmakers Weekday One. Uh, one of the big topics you guys tackled with him was the future of Chase Field and if the D-backs can find another home in Maricopa County. He said, you know, he explained all of the difficulties that come with finding another home and said if they stay at Chase Field and just go with renovations instead of a new ballpark, here are some of the things that they can address. We can redo the concourses. We can... We can bring that stadium to a modern feel um, if, if we're indeed going to stay there and make it look more modern, make it look more new. But as far as making it feel a little closer, you know, to one another and smaller and that huge upper level, I'm not sure we're ever going to be really ever really uh, able to address that. But I think fans are okay. Okay, so if you can't shrink the ballpark, you can't make it less cavernous. Honey, as I shrunk the it. ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. changes, big changes or small changes, would you like to see made? 
to Chase Field. Listen, I, I, I love the downtown element, but I, I would like a I would like a new structure entirely that is mm. much much smaller that has sort of like that new shading technology where there isn't a roof. They're more like things that resemble a ship's sails, if you oh, will. Oh yeah, yeah. It's listen. There's got to be a, it. Just it, hermetically sealed baseball. You can have it. I'm just it doesn't interest me. I'm curious because Derek said something yesterday about you know redoing the concourses, and I think that would go a long way to improving the fan experience. And I don't hate Chase Field. Yeah, um, it is weird that it's you know 25 years old and yeah. it's completely antiquated and the fourth oldest stadium in in the National League at this point. But I think you know improving the concourses w- would go a long way. It, it without. They can't do major renovations there without uprooting the team. So it's one of those situations where you'd have to play through the renovations, which is not great for anybody. So I I, I don't know. I mean, I I guess I would prefer a new structure somewhere downtown completely, like like Vic is saying, because the technology and design has come a long way since the mid-90s when that place was built. Yeah, that's wild. All right, let's quickly squeeze in the Phoenix Mercury. Brittany Griner's return to the team was made official yesterday with the team announcing a one-year $165,000 deal. She took about a 30% pay cut uh, from her previous contract to stay with the Mercury. Um, Griner is also back alongside Diana Taurasi. I think we briefly spoke about that on yesterday's show, maybe. Uh, She signed a two-year Supermax that's going to take her through the 2024 season and the 2024 Olympics. Uh-huh. Your guys' reaction. I, I'm uh, I'm stunned that she's going to have another Olympiad on her resume. I mean, going for po- do you think she'll positively make it? Do you think she'll get there? Uh, yes, I, I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, I remember, I believe it was in London, I was speaking to her after a gold medal, and she's like, yeah, that's it. And then there was Rio, and she's like, yeah, this is definitely <laughs> it. <laughs> then, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some things are timeless. Yeah, and... I mean, judging on how she played before the injury at the end of the year, I mean, they got hit with an unfortunate rash of injuries. Oh, gosh. But Diana was still and, really and good last year. And in a weird way, I've got mad respect that she keeps blowing us off. Yeah. Again, for newsmakers, we want And to getting that super max I, money. I, 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 <laughs> I got my bag. Screw I go you. way back with DT. She's got to feel also, though, that she got last season kind of stolen from her with the Brittany Griner yeah, stuff, with yeah. all the weirdness. It was, and it was the, a the, weird season. The mid-season trades and all that stuff. I mean, for team, we always talk about the weirdness of the Cardinals season. Oh, on the WNBA scale, the the Phoenix Mercury were the Arizona Cardinals. Was it Tina like, Charles? No, was that it? Yes, it was Tina. Who just left the team and the, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then Divorce. the whole Skyler Diggins thing that yes. happened. Yeah. Yes, it was stuff. a wild year. Thank you, Sarah. Thank we're you. all rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot. Woo. Most mornings at 7.30 when the schedule permits. Coming up next... What do we know? What can we expect from the Cardinals' new offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing? We'll get into that subject straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Wednesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Yeah, no, he was uh, the quarterback's coach in Cleveland for only one year. Uh, you know, before that, he was coaching uh, tight ends. Uh, they made that move last offseason before they made the Deshaun Watson trade. So initially, it looked like Patsy was going to coach Baker Mayfield before they uh, moved on from him. Um, had kind of obviously a weird year, just like uh, the rest of the franchise did. Jacoby uh, Brissett was top 10 in the NFL and QBR. Uh, now, Alex Van Pelt, who's the, the offensive coordinator, and Kevin Stefanski, who's the head coach and the play caller uh, offensively, are all in the room, you know, with the quarterbacks. But, um, you know, Petsing had a great reputation in, in Cleveland. He's a good guy. Uh, you know, just getting to know him a little bit uh, on the side as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in that, you know, he is an unknown in terms of a play caller uh, and an offensive coordinator. But I think a guy uh, that, that's really well thought of, at least here, and one of the reasons why, you know, they moved him from tight ends to uh, offensive coordinator before last season. Jake Trotter, who covers the Cleveland Browns for ESPN, he was a guest of Wolf and Luke yesterday here on Arizona Sports, giving his thoughts on uh, Drew Petzing, the new offensive coordinator, and listen to this, the first offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals since 2018. Hmm. When Byron Leftwich took over for Mike McCoy, that was a job and duties that were handled by Cliff Kingsbury in the head coaching uh, position. Drew Petzing will be introduced formally at a press conference tomorrow. Nick Rollis, the new defensive coordinator, press conference today at uh, 2 o'clock. So we'll get a better idea of these these two relatively inexperienced yeah. coaches in positions of power with the Arizona Cardinals. Well, and again, I've it, the age is obviously an issue. The lack of experience is obviously an issue. It's not insurmountable. But if you um, if you want to look at the positive, there's two things I like. Number one, the Nick Rawls thing in terms of how he and Jonathan Gannon are reportedly that connected uh-huh. that that operating a defense is seamless for the both of them because that is Jonathan Gannon's specialty. He's more defensive minded, so if he's got a guy who's running the defense who's in lockstep with him, okay, that's good. That means that's probably good things for the def- defense. Now, as far as this offensive coordinator goes. I heard Burns and Gambo talk about this yesterday, that there was a, a marketplace for Drew Petzing, that that um, as Burns and Gambo were saying, he was kind of like the up and coming, the next big thing. Um, I, I've been hearing this a lot lately, and either there's been an increase in the quality of young coaches in the NFL, because suddenly there's wonderkind coordinators mm-hmm. in the making everywhere you look, right? Or it's just your typical, um, you know optimism, all that kind of stuff. But I will say this about Drew Petzing. The thing, the one thing I'm going to take um, solace in or I'm going to look at the positive for and with is Jonathan Gannon had him earmarked as his future coordinator a long time ago. Yes. Okay, so that means something to me. He, he, he didn't have to scramble to get option B, C, D, or E. We had Mary Kay Cabot on right. days before the announcement, and she already knew it was a done deal. Yeah. Right, exactly. Because of what she was able to uncover in spending time with Jonathan Gannon right. during Super Bowl week, yep. and it just seemed like uh, you know the right fit, the perfect connection, and, and here mm-hmm. we are. Right. So again, so I, I don't know what makes people look at quarterbacks, coaches, particularly after that year in Cleveland, and go, oh, there's a genius, but whatever. You know how it is? It, it's the coaching ranks. It's very fraternal. It's it's very oh, political. Yeah. There's, you know, it's if you go to the NCAA Final Four, for instance, <laughs> and like you go to the media hotel and where the coaches are staying, and you know this, you've seen this, the amount of people just 
jockeying and lobbying for jobs. Mm-hmm. That's where they get the word lobby from. Because they're all in the lobby. <laughs> See you in the lobby, lobby right. DT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the Olympics of job seeking. That's exactly what it is. And so so the it's a yes. So uh, again, there's a lot of salesmanship. There's a lot of that stuff. But I do think that Jonathan Gannon probably got both coordinators that he wanted. I would be surprised if there was a defensive coordinator he wanted more than this guy. Just from a personal comfort standpoint. So, okay, that's that's not a bad thing to, to, to kind of pivot off. And the thing that we've buried so far in the show is that the new defensive coordinator for the Cardinals' brother is a WWE wrestler. I knew you were going to get to that. <laughs> is he a good wrestler? What's the guy's name? Madcap Moss. Madcap Moss, that's right. Yeah. Uh, also a former football player at the University of Minnesota. Yes. Uh, enlighten us, Jarrett. Is yeah, Mad- you know why it was buried in this show, Jarrett? <laughs> oh, that's that's what true. happens to things that are dead to me. It's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting fun fact, don't you think? No, he, he's, he's very lame. <laughs> he is not. He is. So there's nothing madcap about him. If you're him. familiar with the term, he is essentially a jobber. Yeah. In the uh, the current WWE, last year he got a lot of uh, TV time. This year, not so much. So, but he's a big, muscly guy with a mustache and a big nose. So. Jarrett, on a side note, now that you've you've gone down this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. How many hours a week do you think you devote mm. to professional wrestling? Ooh, five hours. Because I watch both Monday and Friday show on DVR after work as I'm lying in bed relaxing. How much time do you spend reading wrestling blogs? Well, that's neither here nor there. Or watching YouTube uh, and analysis you a, of... Did you have a wrestling podcast at some point? I did. How much time do you think you spend on your job? <laughs> there's not a lot of time, well, there's not a lot of time left. You're doing, you're doing I mean, what do you want from me? You're doing the math. I mean, there still are only 24 hours in a day. Yeah, I mean, throw it in the hand not, fruits. Yeah, I mean, there's... Do you want analysis on Madcap Moss? Or do you want... All you said was, he's lame. That was the whole thing. He doesn't really... He's one of those guys right now who doesn't have a gimmick, which is pretty lame. It's wow. just a generic... Muscly wrestler. Okay. Wow. There you go. He's dating he's dating right. another wrestler. Oh no. Who's that? An Australian woman named Emma. Oh my god. Jared. <laughs> Emma Grass. It is all becoming clear. It's like a soap you opera just... for men, is what I've been What talking. if yeah. you just stumbled into the Rosetta Stone here, Vinny, you're unlocking it all. It's all unlocking right before and our it, eyes. And it's a language I don't want to learn. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Hey the Cardinals the Cardinals yesterday were all over. That connection yesterday, retweeting tweets from Madcap Moss himself. Cool. What's funny is Very that cool. Madcap Moss is cool. Madcap Moss's tag team partner used to be Baron Corbin, who, who once played, played for the Cardinals. For the Cardinals. Wow. There you Under go. the real name of. Patrick Corbin. No, no, that's a different. No, I don't know that one. You don't know his real name. No, I don't know his real name. I, I don't remember his real name either. So there you go. Full Baron circle. Corbin. Wow. Wow. Inside wow. the brain. Oh, Jared Carlin. Pestock? Thank you for dorking out yes, on us like Thomas that, Jared. Pestock. Is that how you say Yes, I wow. believe so. Yeah. Hey, if you ever want to dork out, I'm your man. <laughs> I'm wrestling? You, obviously you are. I should, I should introduce, introduce you to Alex Marvez. Might be doing yeah. both of us a favor. Yeah. <laughs> Bick will save us. Coming up with uh, today's edition of the Bickley Blast. That is next here on 
Arizona Sports, the, the wrestling, wrestling Arizona Sports Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs>